more. Are you guys ready for the word today? Go ahead and turn into Proverbs uh, chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. We've been talking about expanding your world. And I believe this is a, a, a timely word for us as the people of God. Uh, we've got to always understand that God is on our side. And because God is on our side, there is always options. Can I get an amen? amen. We're not victims. We're victors. Uh, doesn't matter what's happened to you. If God is on your side, you can overcome. Doesn't matter who's in the White House. God is on your side. You can overcome. It doesn't matter what's going on around you, what you've been through, what you're going through. If God is on your side, you're going to have some options. And we need to recognize this and get this inside of our thinking uh, so that we can learn and pass on to our kids that anything is possible with God. Amen? How many of y'all believe that? Now look at what Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25 says. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible here. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. That means options. You don't have many options. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped themselves. Then I want to read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 from the New King James. It says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, and that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And this is a powerful scripture because it talks to you about your superpowers. Come on, somebody. Amen. It ain't just Spider-Man and the Avengers that got powers. Y'all, we got powers. And one of the powers that God has given us is the power to get wealth. But not just get wealth so we can just buy nice things and have nice things. No, God wants to give you wealth so that you can expand the kingdom of God and you can promote his message of love and grace. And so it's twofold. You've got, we've got to understand, number one, I take that responsibility. I am somebody who's called to promote the gospel. And two, once you say yes to that, the power to fund that in your life will kick in and be a part. How many can say amen to that? I love what King David said uh, many, many years ago in the scriptures. He said, is there not a cause? And we have the greatest cause on the planet Earth to reach people with the good news. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity this morning that we can gather around and have our minds expanded and our minds blown so that we can dream big, so that we can have big lives and we can have options. Father, I thank you that in this time of uncertainty where the country is just going wild about uncertainties and what's going to happen here. And there's so many fears and concerns, and many of them rightfully so. Father, we can stand in the midst of the storm as rocks, as people that know that God is on our side. And our world will get bigger and bigger. Our options will continue to grow because we're generous before you, Father. And we just ask right now, Lord God, that for an anointing to preach and pull down strongholds, Lord, I just ask for the spirit of a father to be in this place so that people hear the word in the right tone, in the right way, from a heart of the father, which is your heart, Lord God. And we just ask right now that every hindering spirit around and in this place would be bound in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. See, I believe the devil wants you to think small and be small. 
I believe the enemy wants you to stay in limitation. I believe the enemy wants you to think, well, I can only go so far. I can only have so much. And that's why the enemy is constantly reminding you of, of the areas of your weakness. He's constantly reminding some of you, you don't have an education. He's constantly reminding you, you come from the hood. He's constantly reminding you, you don't have a dad. You're, you were abused. You were raped. You were this. You were that. And it's constantly on our minds so that we begin to believe we're victims and we're limited. But when you come into the kingdom of God, whatever you have in God's hands begins to get multiplied. And this is why Jesus asks us, this is why we're supposed to give God our life. Because whatever you put in the hands of God expands. So if you got a little bit of sense, come on somebody, you got a little bit of education, you put that in God's hands, it expands. What did Jesus do with the five loaves and the two fish? He held it before it was given to him. He brought it into the heavenly realm and it began to be multiplied to feed the 5,000. Five loaves, two fish. What is that? that is, that's an example of what God can do with anything that you give him. But here's the problem. And Rob Brown said it best. It's a trust issue. We don't trust him. And anytime God asks something from us, we go, whoa, whoa, that ain't God. That's the devil. I bind you, Satan. I ain't giving you that. I'm not giving you my relationship. I'm not giving you my singlehood. Come on, somebody. I'm not giving you my money. I'm not giving you my future. I'm going to do this my way. And then we have a conflict. Then what we have is people, listen now, Christians who have a covenant to live in a big world, they settle into a small world. And I grew up in churches where I saw Christians that love God, love God and serve God broke, having nothing. I go to places where people are serving God 10, 20 years, and they've never allowed God to move in their finances. We are not called to be limited. We're not called to be broke. We're not called to be poor. We're called to allow God to come into our world and expand it. But he can only expand what you give him. And this is the problem we have in the church today. Because don't nobody want to give God anything. All we want to do is get our ticket to heaven. Am I in the right place today? How many know what I'm talking about? So we've got a lot of Christians that say they love God, but have no sacrifice on the altar. We've got a lot of Christians that say, uh, I believe in God. He's my, he's my Lord. And I believe the blood of Jesus has cleansed me and set me free. But there's nothing on the altar. There's nothing that they lay down. There's nothing they give him. See, people know Jesus as Savior, but they don't know him as Lord. And that's the key to living in limitations. You're limited because you're continuing to hold on to everything in your life. The key to breaking out of limitations is giving to the Lord. Give him your life. Give him your mind. Give him your talents. Give him your money and see what he can do with it. Are you tracking with me today? So we see all these things in the scriptures. So we see Proverbs 11 tells us, hey, it's your world. Tell your neighbor right now, it's your world. If it's small, it's your fault. If you ain't got options, that's your fault. See, we don't like that in America today. We like to blame. 
We like to blame. We like to, we like to give excuses. Well, I'm this way because. My life is like this because. And so right now, it's very trendy to be a victim. And I don't know why. I don't know why we want to be victims, because victims are powerless. Victims are subject to what's been done to them. And it's, it's getting real trendy in America to just be a victim. Huddle together and get mad and be victims. When Jesus has called us to be victors, and Jesus, the message of the gospel is, I give you the keys. I give you power to get wealth. I give it to you, and what you do with it is on you. We don't, we don't like that. We like to blame our failures on others. We like to blame our mistakes on things. And I'm just telling you right now, that is not the message that Jesus came to bring. Jesus' message to us, his mission statement in John 10.10 was, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. He continually tells us through the scriptures, I have come and I've given all authority to you. He got on the cross and he said, it's finished, I'm done. What does he do then? He gives us the keys. He empowers us. He gives us his word and the people are healed. He gives us these things. But right now, we like to just settle into our mess and blame the enemy. Well, Satan's hitting me. Hit him back. Well, the enemy's attacking me. Attack him back. He's a defeated foe. And when he hits, you're not supposed to just suck that up. You're supposed to bob and weave, come on somebody, and come back with something stronger. Because the power to change our lives and expand our lives, it's in our hands. Deuteronomy 8.18, he says, I give you the power to get wealth. Does it say if you got an education, you have that power? No. Does it say if you were born in America and you're, uh, you're Anglo? No. Does it say if you have this, that, and the other? No. It says that, G, that God has given us the power to get wealth. Whether you got a third grade education or not. Whether you've been to jail or not. Whether you have a past where you did bad things or not, if you are uh, in the family of God, if you have been bought by the blood of Jesus, there's this power in you. And it throbs just like it would in a, in a Marvel superhero movie. It's on your inside. There's this thing that some of you have never tapped into. It has the ability to obtain wealth. It's, all, it's in every single one of you. He said, well, but I've always been poor. you got to tap into that wealth. Let me tell you, the first thing you can do to tap into that covenant of wealth, number one, and I said it earlier, is this. Agree to establish the covenant. Go back to that. Go back to that. That scripture. Go back to that. There we go. Uh, Agree to establish his covenant. See, that's the first problem we have right now. With people have not yet taken on Jesus' mission. We got people right now fighting for everything in the United States right now. How many agree with me right now? They're fighting for everything, and some of those causes are great. We got people that are trying to save the whales. Come on. The spotted owl group raising money for that. We've got people giving their lives to every cause. What about this cause? What about this cause right here? This cause, as a Christian, trumps every other cause. It's bigger than every other cause. When are we going to learn that this is part of your destiny? 
when you come to Jesus, you've got to understand, we've got people who want, oh, I want to know my purpose in life. This is every believer's purpose in life. Establish the covenant of grace to everybody you meet. Win souls and make disciples. Can I get an amen on that? That's what being a Christian is about. Being a Christian is not about where you spend 10 to 12 every Sunday. Amen? It's not about that. Because you could go to church and still be a rat. You could go to church and still not be about Jesus. Am I the only one that's ever noticed this? Come on. How many know there's, there's, there's some rats among us sometimes? Come on. Everybody that's in Israel ain't Israel. Amen? So the Bible tells us that in the Old Testament. Everybody was, that was in the camp wasn't of the camp. So there are many times Jesus had, or, or God, the, God had to expose things. You look at Gideon's army, and he had an army of thousands. God says, now there's only about 300 of you that are really down. You know, all throughout the scriptures, you will see the, the, the difference of the wheat and the tares. But what it comes down to is this. If we're going to establish wealth and have our li- establish our covenant and have our lives expanded, we got to get in contact with establishing his covenant. We got to say, I'm down. I'm with that. Let's do it. I'm giving my life to that. We got to be a part of that. And the minute you say yes to that, that's when this thing inside of you, this power, you know, this, this ability to get wealth gets activated. And now, because you've given your life, I'm going I'm to win souls and make disciples. I'm going to be a part of, of, of the kingdom. This thing goes off. And I see it all the time in people that say yes to go on missions trips. I see it all the time. Every, do you know we took uh, almost 30 people to go on a missions trip last year to, to the Philippines? Did you know that was $30,000 that came into our hands? Over $30,000 that came into the hands of individuals that did not have that four months earlier. But you know what happened? They said, oh, I'll go and establish his covenant. And guess what happened? The ability to get wealth activates in their life. And they put a post up. I'm trying to raise money for this. Dang, people are giving. They do another thing. Oh, they get a raise all of a sudden. Oh, this thing's covered. This thing happens. See, it shouldn't just be for missions trips. If you live like this, you will see opportunities come to you. When the raise comes up, it's yours. Somebody was saying earlier on a, on a post on our church page, they got a position, and when they got the position, the boss told them, when, when this came up, we felt like this was created just for you. That's how it works. That's the power to get well. But you first got to give yourself to establishing the covenant. You first got to say, whatever I do with my life, whether I go to school to be a doctor, whether I take business classes, whether I'm a dance instructor, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to win souls and make disciples. Amen? Amen? No matter what I'm going to do with my life, if I'm going to be a movie star, if I'm going to be a singer, a rapper, if I'm going to go out and open a business, start a school, whatever I'm doing, what's a part of it is establishing the gospel, establishing the covenant, and you will begin to see this ability to get wealth start working on your behalf. Amen? I've, I see it all the time. I've seen it in my own life. God always meets our needs when you give yourself to establishing the covenant. But you got to make it a point. Amen? You got to make it a point. And it's all about choices. Life's about choices. But what I want you, to, I want you guys to see today is, is let's stop being victims to our past. Let's stop being victims to our mistakes. You made some mistakes. So what? 
Tell your neighbor right now, so what? So what? I blew it two times, three times. Come on, do I hear four times, five times, six times, seven times? I made some mistakes, yes, but so what? We serve a God of second chances. We serve a God who never gives up on us. But now here's the thing. From this day forward, quit using the excuses and take responsibility for your life. The life you have is the life you build. You build it. What's it going to look like when you turn 40? Make some good choices. Amen? What's it going to look like when you get 50, 60, 75, whatever, your retirement? Make some good choices. Or will you be a bitter old person? who just sits around and tells, oh, I didn't have because this, and this was done to me, and that was done to me. No, 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 no. If God is on your side, what more do you need? Well, what we need is to make good choices. I want you to write this down. Life is about choices. And I want to give you seven choices that you got to make to expand your world, okay? Expand your world. Life is about choices. No more excuses. It's about choices. Anything you can do, you can get there if you make the right choices. Don't tell me you want a godly marriage, but you're dating losers. Don't tell me you want a marriage that lasts, but you won't get help. You won't read a book. See, it's all about choices. Your choices tell what you really want. You can say whatever you want. You can post whatever you want on Facebook. That don't make it true. Oh, somebody needs to know that. Your choices do. Your choices do. So you get single people sometimes, and they're championing their singlehood. I'm waiting on the Lord. Let's see if you say that when a fine dude presses up on you. Because that's easy to say when nobody's asking you out. I'm, I'm saving myself for Jesus. Well, no one's asking. But you know when the test comes? You know when the test comes? When he looks good, smells good, has money, and is ungodly, and he asks you out. That's when you champion the cause. Because you know what I see a lot of time with Christians? That's when it's like, oh, well, he goes to church. Oh, well, he loves God in his own way. Are you tracking with me? Am I getting too real up in here? It's because I'm talking about choices. So it's one thing to say it, when nobody's asking you out, I'm saving myself for Jesus. Buddy, you ain't got no choice. <laughs> Homie. But what happens when the fine girl comes by and, she's, and she wants to go out with you? Can you make that same choice? See, it's choices. It's choices that we have. And we've got to set ourselves up to make right choices that go in line with where we're going in life. We can't just sit around and go, oh man, I was tempted. No, you have choices. We all have choices. The Bible tells us that even in temptation, God makes a way out. So it's about choices. So I want to talk to you about choices today. Number one, if you're going to uh, expand your world, the first thing you have to do is choose to dream big. Choose to dream big. Now, I don't care how old you are, you, you keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. My father went on his first missions trip at the age of 84 years old. First one ever. 
And while I'm out there and I'm in tears and I'm watching him lay hands on these Filipino girls and they're falling out under the power of my father, my mind was like, and he tells me after, he goes, Mijo, did you know I never thought that I could ever get the chance to be a missionary? And he began to tell me the story, which I heard many times. My brother's heard so many times that my grandfather used to spend time every morning. One of his parts of his devotions, what he would pray for missionaries. God raise up missionaries. Eighty-four years later, my father fulfills that prayer in his own life. It can happen. It can happen. I love seeing Nana come with us on missions trips. Three years ago, talking to Esco, he's like, man, my mom really wants to go. She's got a dream to go out there to Mexico with us, but she's worried about her knees. What happens? She's been on two now, and she's a professional. <laughs> don't ever stop dreaming. It don't matter how old you are. But here's the sad thing. It's when young people ain't got no dreams. When young people don't dream, and they don't have any aspirations for their life. They just want to find somebody and get married. Just want to be loved. Let me tell you something, young person. Dream bigger. That's a good desire. It's not a bad desire. But God has created you for so much more than just a job that has benefits. Then just to get a job that's secure, that has retirement. That's good. That's a good thing. But is that the extent of your dream? You're in your teen years. You're in your 20s. You're in your 30s. Dream big. What can God do? What can, what can this covenant to get wealth do in your life? Well, we've got so many people, they just want to get a good job. Just want to get on with this company. Just want to get on with the state. Just want to, and there's nothing wrong with those. Those are good things. But think and dream bigger. Amen? I feel a brick spirit up in here because I'm challenging your dreams. Listen, we serve a big God, and your world is only going to be as big as you dream it is. And some of y'all are just dreaming too big or too small to have a big God in your corner. Do you know what God can do with your family? And he don't need much. He don't need much. That's what all these scriptures in the Bible tell us. The loaves and the fishes, it wasn't much. God did great things with it. Gideon wasn't much, but he became a deliverer. Moses wasn't much. He was a murderer. Put in God's hands, he did much. Here's the big thing today. If you get nothing else, life is about choices, and you need to choose to dream big. Dream big. Amen? Dream big. But here's the other thing. If you're going to choose to dream big, you're going to have to act big. Don't tell me you want to marry a man of God, but you dating scrubs. You don't want to marry a man of God. Because men of God don't hang out over there. Amen? And in the words of TLC, come on somebody. I don't want no scrubs. A scrub is a what? Guy that can't get no love. How is it that TLC have more sense than some people? Rest in peace, life back. 
We got to dream big. We got to dream big. That's all I'm saying, and I'm passionate about it. Because we got young people, you got you to reach bigger. You got to reach bigger. You got to go beyond some of these desires and these uncomfortable things. Go to college. Go to college. Find something you want to do and learn about it. Study it. Go to a trade school. Go somewhere. Learn, learn, learn. Get there. Go there. Dream big. Don't just, well, I just, I want to get through high school. No, no, no. Get through high school. Get through it and go to the next level. And another one. Come on, somebody. And another one. And another one. And another one. But you got to dream big. See, because here's the enemy of dream big. I can't. I can't. I want to go to college, but I can't. I'm not good at school. You know what? Find something you love to do, and the desire will come. Find something. Something that you're passionate about. Something that you want to do, and go after it. But you got to dream big. Dream big. Dream about the marriage you could have someday. Focus on that thing. Dream big about it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. He's not going to beat me. Come on. He's not going to hit me. Come on. He's not going to cheat on me. Come on. She's going to be good to me. She's going to treat me right. She's going to listen to me. He's going to listen to me. Dream big. Dream big. But see, the problem is we're influenced by our surroundings, on people around us. And people have a way of killing our dreams. Because they didn't do it, they begin to spew that poison on us. Because their marriage ain't good. Because their life sucks. They're going to tell you, oh, you can't do it. Or they're not going to encourage you. Dream big. Because here's the thing. Anything you put in God's hands, he can multiply. He can multiply you. I know you ain't got much sense. I know that. Put it in God's hands. He'll give you more sense. Come on. You ain't that smart. I get it. I get it. Believe me, I get it. But you put your smarts in God's hands. He multiplies that. You ain't that fine. I know it. I know it. I know it. But you put that little, little bit of fineness, God can multiply it. I think, you, I think you're tracking with me now. Okay. Choose to dream big. Amen? Encourage your kids to dream big. Get some big ideas. Start a business. There's way too many people just satisfied working for somebody. Man, get a, get a dream. Get, what can God do? Remember, you got a covenant to get well. Maybe you need to start that business after all. Maybe you need to go learn about it. Take a class. Do something. But just to be, I, I, well, I just have a good job and it's got better. I mean, go further than that. Take some missions trips. Learn about something. Get out there and change somebody's life. But the first thing you got to do to expand your world, you got to dream big. You got to dream big. Number two, second thing you got to do to expand your world is you got to choose to seek God. Choose it. You got to choose it. It don't happen automatically. Very rare do you wake up in the morning and go, I got to seek the Lord. It happens. It does once you train your spirit. But to the average person, that is not the first desire that floods your heart. It takes time to train your spirit to respond like that. And just like anything else, it takes effort. Amen? What happens if you don't, if you don't cut your lawn, water your lawn, uh, fertilize your lawn? What happens to your lawn? It grows crazy. But if you want a good lawn, you've got to take care of it. You've got to cultivate it. You've got to train yourself to seek God. 
You've got to challenge yourself to get in there and seek God. Now, what does seeking God look like? It, it looks like this. I want you to write this down. Seeking God is investing time, investing money, and investing in relationships. Because some of you think you're seeking God and you're not really seeking God. You're playing church. You're going through the motions. When one seeks God, he invests time. Every Sunday we gather together and there's a team here at 9 o'clock setting up or 8 o'clock setting up. They're doing sound. They're doing things. They're investing time. Time in what? Time in the things of God. Tonight, we'll be starting our second year of the School of Leaders, and we meet with them twice a month for two hours on a Sunday evening. And what are they investing? Time into learning more about the things of God. That's seeking the Lord. Coming to church on a Sunday, every Sunday, not just when you feel like it, but as custom, as habit, making it something of your life is investing time. We've got discipleship groups that meet twice a month. They're investing more time. But we've got people that want to seek God but invest no time. And we'll say things like, I'm too busy. I can't. There's that, there's that can't word again. You see, investing and seeking the Lord is going to take some investment. There's a cost involved to it. And it's so important you've got to move other things out of the way. It's got to take precedence in your life. It's got to come first. So if I got to get less sleep, I get less sleep. If I got to, you know, cut into my hobbies, I cut into my hobbies. It's amazing to me what, 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 we'll, what we'll do for something that we want. It's amazing. You know, I got my kid in, I'm going to be coaching Diego's, uh, me and Pastor Vince are going to be coaching Diego's baseball team this year. Like I ain't got enough things on my plate. Like, I just got time laying around. I need something to do. No, I really don't. But you know what's important to me? My kids. So I don't let anything hinder me from what's important. Can I get an amen on that? But it's not only my kids that are important. Y'all are important. So so many of you, I make time. You text me, oh, I know you're busy. You're important. I'll make time for you. Let's get this thing happening. See, we've got to learn that we make time for whatever's important. And if it ain't important, you ain't making time. Because why? It's about choices. It's choices. Anybody can say God's important. Anybody can. And they all say, you can tattoo it on you all you want. God's first, okay? But listen, you prove that through your choices. Prove it through your choices. And you're going to expand your world by choosing to seek God. And seeking God means you invest the time. You invest the money. It costs to, to seek God. It costs. But don't let that chase you away because you know what? It costs you to drink at the bar. It costs you to go out on Friday nights. It costs you to go out on Saturday nights. It costs you to go dancing. Amen? Amen. Last time I checked, someone tell me if I'm wrong, there weren't no free clubs. There weren't nobody giving out drinks. You pay. You invest in what you want. Seeking God costs sometimes. You got to buy some books. We'll spend $170 on tennis shoes, but won't pay 25 bucks for a book. And if they're Yeezys, come on, somebody, that's a whole nother. 
Don't get me started on them red bottoms, ladies. That's a whole nother thing. But we'll be more quick to invest in that than invest in seeking God. And invest, it, it's going to take time, money. And the other thing, when you're seeking God, you invest in relationships. Did you know seeking God is not a one, it's not a single sport. It's a team game. It's not just me and Jesus. You won't find that in the Bible. Did you know the word, the term personal relationship with Jesus is not in the Bible? Now, I know why we say it. It's not wrong to say it. I get it. But the concept of just me and Christ, nuh-uh. This is a family thing. It's a community thing. And if you're only about you and Jesus, you're not seeking God correctly. Because to seek God means I got to invest in people. I got to invest and spend time with the right people. I got to invest in relationships. Ask somebody out to lunch that loves the Lord. Build relationship with them. You know, you got to take time. Amen? So we got people that say they're seeking God, but they spend the majority of their time with unsaved people. Now, that wouldn't be wrong if you're winning them, but you're not. Let's just be honest. They're winning you. They're winning you. I'm always concerned about Christians that are closer to their friends that don't serve God than the ones that they do serve God. And they say things like, well, you know, my outside friends, they treat me better. See, you're mistaking being challenged for being treated wrong. Because if you're my friend and you're acting foolish and you're dating somebody ridiculous, I'm going to come over and say, what's up? Because I love you. Amen? That's love. But we like to get around people that don't challenge us, don't give a rip about us. They just want to hang out with us and have a good time. They don't care that I'm dating a loser. And we say, well, they don't judge me. No, they don't care about you. They don't care about you. And we view that as, oh, that's love. Man, my unsaved people, they, they don't hate on me. They're just so good. They don't care about you. Because you're my friend. And you're going down a wrong path. You're my friend and you're driving down a cliff. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to say, hey, 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 don't go down that road. You're going to kill yourself. But, you know, we got to find out where our priorities are. Here's the other thing. When you're seeking God, those three things go the same way. My time, my relationships, and my money all bring me closer to the Lord. Are you tracking with me today? See, all I'm doing this morning is I'm separating the wheat from the tares, the men from the boys, the women from the girls. Come on. We're just separating it all and saying this is what it looks like to serve God. That's all we're doing. Because it's not about coming in and hearing a message. It's about living that message. And if we're going to live a big life, expand our world, you got to dream big. And the second thing you got to do is you got to choose to seek God. And let me tell you something. Seeking God has a look to it. It has a feel to it. There's something about it. Right now, and uh, I look at Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. This describes the culture that we live in today. It says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is, this is the nation we live in right now. We champion things that are bad, and we call them good. But when it comes to righteousness, godliness, we begin to look at that and despise it. Amen? 
the same people that are upset about things are, 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 are looking towards darkness and calling it light. We can't have that in the church. We can't be like that. We can't let culture dictate to us who we are. We are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. And we've got to choose to seek God. We've got to choose, here it is, the godly over the ungodly. I'm a Christian 24-7. Can I get an amen on that? I'm a disciple 24-7, not only on Sundays and sometimes for special meetings. Amen? What would happen if you'd be a Christian all the time? Maybe your children would serve God when they get older. Instead of seeing that mama's one way at church, but she sure is a different way on Thursday nights. She sure is a different way when so-and-so's over the house. She sure is a different way when the family's over. Are you tracking with me today? What would happen if we would just be about Jesus? I'm not saying we got to be perfect, but we've got to make a decision. We've got to always choose godliness over the ungodly. And understand this, you've got to be the same at work, the same at church, the same with your kids, the same at choir practice, the same when you're with Christians and when you're with unchristians. Amen? You've got, you got to be about it. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a hard thing. That's a good thing. Because there's nothing worse than fake people will come to church and be nice and talk nice. But you go home and talk crazy to your wife. You go home and talk crazy to your husband. You go home and talk crazy to your kids. People, come on. We've got to choose the godly. We've got to get this word on the inside of us. So this is who we are. Here's the other thing. This is who we are no matter how I feel. Oh, I'm angry. Okay? Jesus said, be angry and sin not. Why you got to cuss and get all vulgar? Because you're angry. Hey, let's be, let's be about this. This is what it means to seek God. If you're going to expand your world, that's cool, dream big. But understand, you got to choose to seek God because it's only when you put your life in God's hands that he can cause the little that you have to become much. So that's the only time. And we want the big dreams without giving God our lives. So here's what has to happen. To seek God means this. I choose to do things your way. Not the way my friends tell me, the culture tells me, or the way I want to do them. It may be even harder to do it God's way. But I choose to do it God's way. Are you tracking with me today? Yeah, it's easier if I do it like this. But God says to do it like this. It's a choice. Don't tell me you're seeking God, but you willfully disobey the scriptures. Willfully just go, hey, you know what? I'm going to sleep with who I want to sleep with. God forgives. Oh, you ain't seeking God then. Because a person that's seeking God will protect his holiness or her holiness. They will protect their integrity. They won't be about bending the rules and going around things. They will choose God's way even when it's harder. Are you tracking with me? That's what seeking God looks like. And it has rewards. It has rewards. We've got to be willing to take a stand to seek God. Act, act in the godly way no matter what situation you're in. 
packed with the responsibility that I am Jesus' ambassador to the world. That means no matter what setting I'm in, when you look at me, you should see Jesus. In whatever situation I'm in, and it's the same for you. But you got to seek to choose God. Amen? And let me, let me leave you with this last thing, and we'll, we'll continue on this next week. If you're going to make, if you're going to expand your world, you got to make choices. Number one, to dream big. Number choose to, two, to choose to seek God. And number three, you got to choose to seek God's way of doing things, which is this, the kingdom. You got to choose the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is that scripture saying? It doesn't mean seek heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom. Seek first how God does stuff. So here's what you do. When you're seeking the kingdom, how does God view marriage? How does God do marriage? How does God raise kids? What does the kingdom say about raising my babies? Not what your nana says. Not what your nino says. Not what your nina nano no no nino says. <laughs> but what does God say? See, choosing the kingdom. Seek first God's way of doing things. God will tell you how to date that young lady. Bible's very clear on how to do it. It's very different than what we know. Very different. Because you know what the Bible says? It says, treat her as your sister. All kinds of images popping up over y'all's heads. Some of y'all going, ooh. You know what that means? Respect. Respect. Amen? It means that if you're dating somebody, you respect them. You can't respect somebody that you just see as somebody as a means to meet your sexual desires. Ah, oh, pastor, that's hard. Choose. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. Amen? 50% of all marriages end in divorce. But 95% of those marriages that end in divorce... People slept with each other before they walked down the aisle. Premarital sex to marriage is like taking a gun to the relationship before it even starts. You know what the true test of love is in the kingdom? In the kingdom now, because I know we, in the, on the earth we think, oh, this is crazy. That's crazy. 40-year-old version, that's crazy. It's crazy. But in the kingdom, in the kingdom, okay, the greatest thing you can do for the person you say that you love is keep yourself from them until you walk down that aisle. It's like, baby, this is how I'm demonstrating I care about you. I'm not going to defile you. I'm not going to put you in that position. Same way, ladies, I'm going to keep myself because I care for you. I know it's like I'm speaking a foreign language to some of us in here because they don't teach this in the schools because we're all under this thing of how the culture works. But listen, you want, you want to flow how the culture works? You can have what the culture has, which is busted up relationships, bad marriages, rebellious kids. Amen? But if you seek first the kingdom, this is where you find out where people are at. How much do you trust God? How much do you, or are you just about, you know, you're just trying to ease this, 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 this thing in your life that says you're a bad person? Knowing Jesus as Lord means, God, I trust you. And if it's in your word, you're going to show me how to do it, and I'm going to choose to do it your way. You have a choice to make.
We can have the, the God life that we all say we want, but why is it we say we want it, but the choices we make show that we really want something else? We really just want to please our flesh. We really just want to do whatever we can to get by. See, this is, this is why these things go hand in hand. Dream big, because then you'll understand how much you need God. Dream big, because then you'll realize you ain't smart enough to get there. But with God, then you seek God. You choose to seek God. And then you choose to do things God's way. There's a way to have good kids. Read the Bible. It'll tell you how to discipline your children. It'll tell you how to love your kids. It'll tell you how to be there for your kids. Read the Bible. It'll tell you how to have a good marriage. It'll tell you how to be a good person. It tells you how to forgive. It tells you all these things, but you got to make the choice. You got to make the choice. Amen? If you can help me on the keys, let's all stand on our feet. My heart this morning is that I challenge your thinking. Because some of us, we're not dreaming big enough. And when you don't dream big enough, your kids suffer. Your grandkids suffer. The Bible says we're supposed to leave an inheritance for our children and our children's children. That's just not talking about a financial inheritance. That's a mindset. That's a mindset. We need to tap into some of the things our forefathers had. My grandfather came to this nation from Mexico because he had a dream. He had a dream for him and his family. I owe it to him to dream bigger than he did. So do you. Think of the price. We got all this immigration talk going on and stuff and, and all this, but think of the price those that came before you paid to get here. You owe it to them to dream big. Some of you that come from immigrant families. And some of you that don't, you owe it to your forefathers that lived here to dream big. Don't let being on limited, limited life and, and time and all that. Listen, you've got to go further. But here's the other thing. Trust your God. If he tells you a way to do something in the word, do it his way. Yeah, but everybody's doing it like this. Trust yeah, but it'd be easier if I just did it like this. Trust him. Are you with me today? Bow your head and close your eyes because there's some of us here today. You've never given God your life. You believe in him. You know he's real. You know Jesus is your savior. But you've never publicly declared, God, I give you my life. You've never did what that young boy did in the story, given God your loaves and fishes which is representative of all that you are. Well, this morning, God wants to expand your world. He wants to bring you in. He wants to take what you are, raise it up to the, to the heavens, the unlimited realm, and expand it. But you got to give him your life. And if you're here today, and you're not living for Jesus, you know about him, you know about what he did, but you're not living for him. You haven't given him your life. You haven't said, Lord, be the Lord of my life. Teach me how to live. This morning is your opportunity. It's your chance. And we would love the opportunity to pray for you. So while every head's bowed, no eyes looking around, I want you to just, if you know I'm talking to you, 
and you're like, man, this is my moment. This is my time. I want you to do one bold thing right now. And I want you to just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to put my life in God's hands. I want to give him my life today. Just slip up a hand if there's anybody here like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, I see that, brother. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? This is too important. Don't go another moment without this. If you know you need to give God your life, this is your moment. Hallelujah. And I want you to do one other thing. Those of you that raised your hand, I want you to get out of your chair you to come right down here so that we can pray with you right now. Don't be shy. Just be bold. Let's give him a good hand as he comes. Come on. Come on. God bless you, man. God bless you. God bless you, bro. God bless you, man. Hallelujah. Pastor Cheeto's going to... Let's pray over him and then Pastor Cheeto's going to pray for him right now. Father, I just thank you. I just thank you that today this young man's life is going to expand. It doesn't matter where he's come from, what he's done, where he is. Father, you're about to change where he's going. And you're going to do some incredible things in his life because from this moment on, you're on his side, Lord God. And as he gives you his life with all its limitations, Father, I thank you that you're going to do incredible things like you always do with whatever we put in your hands. In Jesus' name. And Father, I just pray over every other person that is here. Father, may we dream big this week. May we think big. May we expand the boundaries of our minds. And may we choose to seek you in everything that we do, Father. And teach us, Lord. Teach us how the kingdom works. Teach us the rules of heaven. Teach us, Lord God, how you want us to conduct ourselves, our marriages, our money, our well-being. Teach us the ways of the kingdom this week, Father. And expand our borders that our children may be blessed that we may produce more college graduates, more business owners, more homeowners. We would have less of our children getting incarcerated, less of our kids going to jail, less of our kids doing drugs and dropping out of school. But Father, we would be of that number, Lord God, that is experiencing the power to get wealth as we dream big and put you first. In Jesus' name. Listen, before you go, if anybody needs prayer for anything you're dealing with, we want to agree with you in prayer. My wife and I and the, and the team will be here. If you need prayer, just come up. The rest of you, don't forget, Friday night is going to be awesome. So get people here that need prayer for healing. 7.30, Pastor Gina's party is on Saturday. You're all invited. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then also Sunday, we have church back here. Super Bowl Sunday, represent your favorite team. Amen. Go Raider Nation. God bless you guys.